0: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord everybody. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord everybody. The Lord. You know if there's not a praise in your voice tonight and a praise in your song and a praise in your step, maybe you're not serving the same God I'm serving. God give me all reason to praise and be happy. You may be seated. I'm going to ask Brother Joe if he would mind to keep playing that softly for me in the background for a moment. I'm going to take your attention tonight to Philippians chapter 2, and I want you to go there and wait on me for a minute because I'm going to tarry back here for just a little bit. I thought Pastor John was going to get all over my message tonight when he was talking about the renewing of the mind and stuff like that. And this is something I've been meditating on and thinking on, and I'm going I'm to share something with you. I want to share something with you that probably shouldn't, but I'm going to anyways. 2022 was one of the roughest years of my entire life. I'm going to be honest with you. Spiritually speaking, 22, it literally almost whooped me. There was many things that I was faced with on many sides that I didn't know how to deal with. There was many thoughts that was going through my mind that I knew wasn't of God. There was many things that was being spoke across my lips that had absolutely no meaning to life whatsoever. And I was talking to my pastor the other day on on the way to work. And I told him, I said, you know, 2022 was one of the toughest years of my entire life, including losing my only son and almost losing my wife because I almost lost my salvation. That was tough. For a person that's been doing this for a long, long time, made many strides to try and prove myself to people around me that God existed and that God was in control, God had all control, to letting the natural man begin to come in and poke his ugly head in. I want want to read you something right quick while Brother Joe is, is playing that music for me. I've been reading a study by a man by the name of Blake Atkins. And it's called The Spiritual Mind. It says, I believe that the mind has two aspects of, or qualities. A spiritual mind and, Brother Brad, an intellectual mind. We, all, we are all familiar with the intellectual mind. It, it is responsible for the process processes like reasoning, judging, analysis, calculations, ego, desire, and other mundane faculties. I envision the spiritual mind engaging in activities such as creativity, intuition, and physical ability and psychic abilities. The two aspects of the mind likely operate in different planes of consciousness. The intellectual mind focuses on the physical world, while the spiritual mind it searches for meaning and communion with God worldly knowledge is acquired by the the intellectual mind through study and investigation and in measurable quantities the spiritual knowledge Can be obtained to some extent by study, also. However, oftentimes the most profound spiritual knowledge comes to us without actively searching or any effort on our parts, having an open mind as a desire to come closer to God. It's not saying that studying is not important, it's not saying that at all. It's saying that you've got to have an open mind to God. Sometimes spiritual knowledge defies logic and ordinary understanding. It came to us with an inexplicable certainty of truth, an unexplainable truth. It came to us with an unexplainable truth. While at the same time we do not know how we know it or from where the knowledge came from or came to us, the two minds look at the world and existence and quality differently. The intellectual primarily sees that he to see the here and the now. While the spiritual mind sense there is much more to existence. Dominancy by the intellectual mind may lead one to deny or overlook the spiritual nature. It may also lead one to question the existence of God or Creator. The intellect, as the intellectual mind perhaps requires measurements and proof over initial initiation of faith in contrast the spiritual mind cares little about the materialistic aspects of existence favoring instead the expression of itself through inspiration creativity psychic connection and emotions such as love and compassion how do we how how do The two aspects of the mind reconcile with one another. The intellectual mind is essential in order for us to focus on the material world that we live in. The spiritual mind brings meaning to the activities of the natural mind. The spiritual qualities and mentality moderate and guide the intellectual toward the applications of its faculties that will be progression and evolution is for the spiritual mind achieving dominancy over our natural mind. Thank you, sir. I'd like to talk to you a little bit tonight. I'm going to read you something right quick, and like I said, I want you to tarry right there at Philippians, and I'm hoping you're proofreading that because we're going to get into some things tonight. I want to read to you the first step in this rocket science speech. From Paul's epistles in Romans 12 and 2, it says, and be not conformed to this world, but by the transform, by ye transforming, by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The verse was very clear in what it means. Shifting your patterns and your focus in life will change your life. You know, as I sat and I thought about this and I meditated on this a little bit and I, and I kind of bounced back and forth doing the study on this, I got really worked up over this. Because I let the enemy come in in 2022 and cause me to believe lies. I let my hedge down. And I let my guard down, like some of you. You don't have to raise your hands. I know. I watch. I see your battles. I know what you're going through. I see the expressions on your faces. I can see the hurt in some of your eyes. I can see the disappointment and the letdown. I can see the turmoil and the tragedies that's taking place in your lives. And you know the worst part about it is some of us don't even care to stop it. Some of us don't care to stop it. It's kind of like. Oh, don't come talking to me. I don't really care to hear that because I got it figured out. I know what I'm doing. Only to realize we really don't know what we're doing. That's where the I am, the intellectual mind, begins to take over. And it causes you you to become stupid, for lack of better words, when it comes to the spiritual mind. You let your intellectual mind overthink your spiritual mind, and this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to backslide. You're going to allow things in your life that you wouldn't dream would be there. You're going to let things in. It's not that God's letting them in. It's not the devil's got free will. See, Scripture says there's no other power but God's power. So if the enemy is coming into your life, it's because you're allowing it. It has nothing to do with the power that the enemy has because he has no power unless God says, hey, if you think you're exempt from Job mentality, then you're wrong. God will let the hedge down and he will say, try that individual. I promise you, short of cursing me, he will make it. Just like Job, Job rebounded. And it took somebody coming and visiting Job when all of his friends around him was feeding the fire and fanning the flame and stoking it with bad wood and mental thoughts and impurity in Job's mind. Job was beginning to get weaker and weaker until a young man came to him and said, Job, what are you doing? Wake up, Job. Stop what you're doing. It's not the devil doing it, Job. You're doing it. So you cannot give the devil credit and say, well, the devil made me do that. The devil made me say that. The devil caused me to think that. I don't believe that, neither do you. Neither do you because you serve the same God that I serve. Okay, You serve the same God that I serve. Now I want to take your attention to Philippians 2 before I get too deep into it and take off on a rail here. (laughs) It says, if there be, in verse 1 it says, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort, of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy, fulfill ye my joy, not your joy. Your joy is meaningless because your joy comes from an intellectual thought process. It doesn't come from a spiritual thing unless you make it come from that spiritual un- understanding. Okay? It says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like minded. Okay, like-minded. Everybody say it with me, like-minded. Like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, all that. Now, wait a minute, Brother Carl. You're telling me i got to be unified with the people that sits in a church with me? I'm telling you exactly that. You better be unified with the people. I'm going to tell you something, okay? I'm going to use some examples to you. If a football team goes on a field and they're not all in the same mindset that they're going to win that game, they're going to lose that game. So what gives you the right to come into church and not be in the same mindset as the people around you? How are you going to win this game called life if we come in here and half the people are thinking about this, half the people are thinking about that, when we're supposed to lay those things down outside the doorway, and when we come in here, we're supposed to be like-minded. We're all supposed to be in here exhorting the joy of God, not our joy, not our personal gratitude, not our sanctification, but only sanctification through the Spirit of God. Okay, so don't give the devil no credit in your life no more because you're to blame for it, not the devil. Okay, I had to learn that in 2022. And you think after 30-some years of doing this thing called a spiritual walk, I would have never allowed that to happen, but I did. So if you think you're better than Brother Carl, I'm going to tell you something, you're wrong. And you think the devil won't test you and tempt you because God allowed it, you're wrong again. It's up to you whether you fell or passed that test. You think Jesus walked upon the face of the earth and didn't get tempted and tried? You think the disciples didn't get tempted and tried? But they came together, like-minded, brother Jacob. They stayed in one mind and one accord with each other. That's how they was over able to overcome. And I'll give you an example. Jesus even forewarned the disciples and said, the Son of Man will be taken away from you this night, this very night. And what's Peter do when they come to take him? The first thing he does is jerks out the sword and cuts the man's ear off because he was thinking with this and not a spiritual thought. He got in front of what the plan of salvation was, and we do that. When we look at it through an intellectual mind, we absolutely get in the way of what God has in store for us, and we rob ourselves, and then we blame the people around us for what we're not getting. We blame the people because our gift and callings are beginning to fall short. See, I titled this message tonight, Becoming What You Believe 2.0. This message has been touched on several times in the last few weeks about becoming what you believe. I like what Brother Chris preached about the other day about keeping it between the lines. I love that sermon because I'm telling you right now, if you aren't in between the lines, you're on the. We call them wake up stupid bumps. That's what my kids and I used to say when we was traveling. I'd be going down the road and all of a sudden I start doze off and they go bum 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 bum. I said, "Yep, I hit the wake up stupid bumps." And so many times God causes us to hit those and we don't wake up. We just continue to nod on off. And then there's a guardrail over there, and we get over a little too far. And I'm not trying to over-preach Chris's message, but I'm telling you right now, that message meant a lot to me. If you didn't take anything home from it, I did. And if you didn't take anything home from what Brother Joe preached about and what Pastor John's been preaching about, about becoming what you believe, how can you believe in something if you don't become what you believe? How can I say I'm a husband if I don't practice taking care of my wife? How can I say I'm a minister if I don't meditate on the Word of God? How can I say I'm a pastor if I don't have sleepless nights wondering about what my congregation's going through? How can you call yourself a child of God if you're not worried about these things? Because that's a spiritual understanding and we don't want to meditate on that. It's too easy to lay there and roll over and go back to sleep and say, it'll be okay, that problem will go away. I talked to a young man on the way home tonight from church that has lost over 500 members because the pastor started coming to church dressed in a pair of blue jeans or khaki pants and a pullover t-shirt and teaching and preaching the word of God. And the church is beginning to dissolve. That's not a man of God. That's not a man of God. And that's not worried about the congregation. And if you're not living a life that people sees a difference in your life, shame on us. Shame on us. That's not having the mind of Christ. Being quick-witted, quick-tongued, and eagerly speaking and speaking our opinions and our thoughts, that's not of God. That's not of God. I told my son this morning, I said, the best thing you do when an altercation happens is go back, sit down, meditate on it, pray about it, think about it, and then if you feel like God's sending you back to resolve that issue, then by all means, go back and sit down and have a conversation, because I promise you what God's going to do, God's going to prepare the words and prepare the heart of the person that you're getting ready to talk to, and everything's going to be okay. The last thing in the world I want to hear is don't talk about it. How do you resolve a problem if you don't talk about it? If there's a problem between my wife and I and we can't sit down and talk about it, you know what's going to happen? There's going to become a natural divide between us and divorces in the near future. Jesus always talked to his disciples. He always gave them instructions. And then he sent the disciples out and said, You instruct the churches on the way things are supposed to be. Like-minded. Like-minded. Fulfill ye my joy. That ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Oh, there's those two words right there, strife and vainglory. Strife because I don't really like what they did, and vainglory because I think I'm better than them. That's not the mind of Christ. I hate to break your heart. That's not the mind of Christ because you're no better than anybody else. You know what? I used to get intimidated by men and women of power. And when, I walk, when they walked by me, I would kind of cower down a little bit. And they'd say things to me, and I'd say stupid statements back to them and go. They'd walk off, and I'd go, man, Pastor John, that was about the dumbest thing I've ever said. And then one day I woke up, and I realized, you know what? You might have a million dollars in the bank, but you're still no better than me. You put your pants on one leg at a time, and you button your blouse one button at a time plain and simple. You're no better than the next person sitting next to you. So come down off your high horses and quit thinking vainly. Quit thinking arrogancy. Quit thinking haughtiness. Humility is one of the best key ingredients to serving God. If you're not human, if you're not being humble, then you're not a servant of God. You're no better than anybody else. Just because this man pastors my church and I'm his older brother doesn't make me better than anybody in this building. I had to learn that when I come to church, he's not my little brother. He's my pastor. He's my pastor, and he has every right to come and talk to me about things. He has every right to express his concerns about what's going on in my life. But on the other side of that coin, I have every right to go to him and talk to him about my concerns too because that's called respect among each other. That's something we have. That's something we work on, being like-minded. You have to be in unity together. And if you aren't in unity together, you're causing a division. So when you think about that the next time you want to sit around your homes and talk about things you shouldn't all be talking about, and things pop into the conversation that shouldn't be there, you think about the vainglory and the strifes that they're talking about in Philippians. And you see if you don't correct yourself. You see if God doesn't say, that's not of my will. That is not a conversation my saints should be having. I heard something said the other day that just absolutely made my skin crawl, and I hear people in the church are going around saying it, and it's one of the most derogatory things concerning a woman in the world, but they go around calling each other that in the church. What kind of people is that? That's not of God. That's not of God whatsoever, and don't try to convince me that its And isn't. Don't try to convince me because you're sitting around a bunch of women. That's okay. That's not okay. My conversation should be clean whether I'm sitting in front of the congregation or behind the congregation. My conversation should be yay and nay outside this place, and most certainly no dirty dirty words or dirty thoughts should be coming out of my mind or out of my mouth. And when I say dirty, I'm talking about a whole lot of dirty things. I'm talking about talking bad about your brother and sister in Christ. I'm just going to lay it all out for you tonight. You want to know what the mind of Christ is? You want to know what becoming what you believe is? That's what becoming what you believe is. And if you can't live that, then shame on you because you've already been given the victory. God already showed you how to do it. He already showed you how to overcome the test of the earth. He did it. His disciples did it. Absolutely, they all walked and were chastised because they were different. You think being a child of God makes you different from the world? It don't make you no different. All it makes you is saved. You still got to exist in the natural world. And if you're not showing them an example of what godly power is, then you're not even existing in the natural world. You're becoming quite like them. You're becoming quite like them. It says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than than themselves. Oh, wait a minute. You say I got to look at people and think they're better than me? Yeah, I just read it to you. I just read it to you. That's Word of God. That's Philippians. That's Paul talking to the the Philippian church. He's saying, you better think that everybody else is better than you because I'm going to tell you right now, that's part of humility. That's part of keeping yourself humble. You know, I sat right on the very church steps, right out here in front and talked to a young man one time. His name's Chuck Cunningham. And I'm telling you right now, he said one of the most profound things to me I've ever heard in my life, and as time went on, I totally forgot about it. He said, always stay humble. Humility makes a good servant of God. And we get so caught up in thinking we're better than what we really are. Do you realize today that there is statistics out there that says you will be remembered for two, maybe three generations Two, maybe three, if you're lucky. Meaning your great-grandchildren might be talking about you. If you're not living a godly example and giving your children reason to raise their children the way that you were raised and the things that you were doing, your grandchildren won't be talking about you because you'll be forgotten. Abraham Lincoln said, when they interviewed him, they said, Are you sad that you didn't win the election? He said, No, I'm not sad I didn't win the election. He said, You know what I'm sad about? He said, I'm sad that if I live and die, that nobody knew I lived. He was trying to make a point. Be all you can be. Be the best you can be in front of everybody. Live a good. I heard a man, it was funny today. I'm sitting behind the counter, and I'm doing some work, and there was a man come walking in. He supposedly ordered some parts over from the other plant and was going to have them shipped over to us. And I heard him talking to his people on the phone. And he said, who put in a good word for you? And I don't know what the guy said on the other end of the phone. He said, yeah, you're right. He must have said, it must have been you. He said, you're right, I did. He said, what did I teach you to do? He said, I taught you to always be a straight shooter. Always be honest. He said, in this country, honesty will get you everywhere. And I'm sitting there listening to this conversation. This is just a man who walked in off the street. Now, how do you prepare your mind to be honest? you got to be like-minded with God because that's all honesty. The devil gets inside your head. It's all dishonest. It all works up, and it always comes against the, mental, the, 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 the spiritual mind. It says in, it says in uh, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal to God, but made himself no repetition and took upon him the form of a what? A servant. A servant. You know, we used to have a pastor that said, you know what? If it meant I had to clean the toilets to keep the church open, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And then I sat underneath of other pastors and said, there ain't no way I'd go in there and clean them them toilets. That's what I got people to do. If you aren't willing to become a servant, you know, the prayer band meets in here on Wednesday nights. We're getting ready to go back to the highways and the byways. We're getting ready to go back to the front yards and the parking lots of the church, of the uh, the hospitals again. Because coming in here and praying is absolutely good. But you know what that gets you when you come in here and you pray? It gets you this right here. You get comfortable. You get to sit here and you get to throw a few prayers in the box and you get to stand up and hold hands and say a prayer. I hate to break it to you, folks. There's more to it than that. There's a lot more to it than that. Because in here, the prayer group said here, we all know that each other are children of God. We all know the power of God. But out there, they don't. Right now, we're living in the most perverse world we've ever lived in. Everything in the world is accepted and made okay. They're putting litter boxes in the school because people identify as animals. What kind of signal police are we living in anymore? And it's because the church world has gotten lazy and slack and unconcerned about what they know to be right in their lives. They don't care about serving God no more because that means I gotta change. And then when they start to change, they look at it and go, Well, I've changed enough. I think I'll run this pattern for a little bit longer, Pastor John. And then they realize that pattern's not working, so then they'll go back to being just lax and slow. And mundane again, and get caught right back up in the things of the world. You know, I was out in my garage the other day, and everybody knows I'm a car nut. Everybody knows I'm a car fanatic. And you can ask my family when I come home. Sometimes I'm going to the garage because I've had a very bad, stressful day, and all I want to do is go outside and work on something. It don't talk back. It doesn't give me no grief. It just sits there and lets me cut on it, weld on it, do whatever I got to do. And sometimes. I go a little bit above and beyond with that. So the other day, I was out there working on my, gr- on my car, and I heard the voice of God saying, this car has become your God. You put this before my reading. You put this before my studying. You put this before my prayer band. And you know what? That car is sitting up on jack stands right now, and I may not touch it the rest of the week because this is more important. This is more important. And don't, don't give me that look like you don't have things in your life like that that you do the same way because I know good and well you do. It might not be an old car. It might be a baby. It might be a boyfriend, a girlfriend. It might be a job. It might be the almighty dollar chasing after trying to make all the money you can make right now because you know you've got to retire sooner. But then you might as well just take the Bible, rip the Scripture out. It says, take no thought for tomorrow because tomorrow will take thought for itself. Now, I'm not saying you're not supposed to be prepared. But I'm saying don't let that stuff override your working for God. Do not allow that to intervene in you. Do not allow your thought process to become an I am, intellectual mind thought, IMT. When we do that, we begin to destroy ourselves. And then you know, I'm going I'm to tell, tell you something. You know when you do that, you bring that same crap right in here in the church. And I said crap because that's exactly what it is. When you go out there and mingle with the world and you bring the filth in here with you, instead of laying it down at the doorway and saying, no, I don't need to take that in the church, you realize all we're doing is we're hindering the service of God. And then you wonder why the pastor and the men the men of God have to get up here, and we've got to really preach and get you behind us. You know, there's not a reason why a man of God should have to inject something in you to make you get up and be happy not a reason why, because you should be bringing that joy inside with you. There shouldn't be a reason why a man of God has to get up here and preach his socks off. Now, I'm not saying don't pull it out of him, but I shouldn't have to come in here. Pastor John should have to come in here. None of these other ministers should have to come in here and give you an ejection to get you up out of the sea to do nothing, because that's what we do. We come in here and we get comfortable. We don't think anything about it. You know, I've often said, when these names are on the board, pray for them like you're praying for yourself. Pray for them like you're praying for yourself. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to take you a little bit deeper than that. The next time you have a bad thought come into your, man, into your mind or you've got words and it's rolling around in your carnal head and you think you've got to put them out your mouth, you think about what kind of effect you're having on this man. Or you think about what kind of effect you're having on that man or that young lady or that young lady or that young lady. I'm going to tell you right now, you better stop and think about what you're doing in life you better stop and think about it because what you are showing people or what they become, and then you want to sit around and say, oh, well, I can't believe they did that. It's like having a drug addict for a kid when all you done was sit around and snort it and pop pills and everything else your entire life and then go, well, I can't believe my family's that way. Well, why can't you? You taught them. You taught them. Why can't I, why can't I understand the things that are so easily understood Because we're not letting the same mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're not becoming what we believe. We like to say it. We like to throw it out there. It's what Pastor John said earlier in the service. We like to say it. We like to throw it out there, but we don't like to show it. How many of you sit at your jobs with your gospel music all cranked up when you're by yourself, and then somebody comes walking in and you go, start turning that gospel music down. Or, how many of you are praying to yourself someplace, like out in public, and it's like, Dear Lord, I come before your day. Thank you for this meal that I'm about to eat. Lord, can you please protect the hands that prepared it for me? What is that? Come on. What is that? Are you ashamed of God? You think that you can't praise God to the rooftop? You want to know why your world's in the shape it's in? Because we as Christians have given the world an opportunity to pick us apart like vultures, and we're not doing what God's telling us to do, and we're not standing up for what's right and what's wrong. We're not being like-minded. You cannot have a family survive. If Kim and I aren't on the same page raising our kids, our kids are going to grow up disobedient kids. And if Kim and I are always arguing in front of our kids— Guess what? My kids are going to go up arguing with their spouse all the time. If I'm showing my kids laziness and laying around all the time and not doing anything at the house to keep up the house and go to work and come home and think that's all there is and not take care of the family, guess what? My kids are going to think the same thing. So when they're doing that, I'm going, you know better now. I raised you better than that. And they go, did you really? The pastor gets up here, the men of God get up here, they preach across the pulpit to you, and they say, we teach you better than that. Did you Really? Did you really live the example that you're preaching to me? This lip service is the biggest downfall that Christians have today. Lip service is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. Actions speak a whole lot louder than words. You know, it's crazy to me that we've allowed the world to infiltrate the church instead of the church infiltrating the world. Now we got homosexuals on every side, transgenders everywhere you turn, They're making all kinds of laws and bylaws to protect people like that when we should be stepping up and saying, no, that's not biblical. That's not of God. Just like we step up and say, hey, drinking's not of God. Smoking dope's not of God. Popping pills is not of God. Lying's not of God. But when it comes to standing up against a lost and perverse world, we go, oh, well, I don't know about that. Do we really understand what we're doing? Do we really understand what we're putting our kids through? When you don't come in here and make your kids sit down and mind in the church, guess what? They're not going to mind you outside the church. When you don't come in here and set rules and regulations for your family and say, be a part of something, do something about it, be a part of it, and you don't do anything with it, then guess what? Your family's not going to be that involved. Your family's not going to go chasing after the dreams of righteousness. If you don't, they're not going to. Just because I'm a minister doesn't give me a right to be judgmental. That's an I am thought. I just read that to you. That's an intellectual thought, being judgmental. The Bible says, judge not unless ye be judged. And then Paul said it. Pastor John preached about it the other day. He said, if I judge myself, I have no need to be judged of you. How do you judge yourself? You find your knees. You pray and let God show you what needs to be changed in your life, Brother Brad. You can't do it. You know what? Guess what, folks? I hate to break your heart. You're going to lose the battle if you think you can do it on your own. You're going to lose to the enemy every single time. You know, I've often been asked how I get past all the hurt in the church. Not church, but church in general. How do I get past all that stuff? I get past it because the Bible says a man that puts his shoulder to the plow and at back, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. That's how I get past it. Yeah, I get hurt. Yeah, I get disappointed. And yeah, I think sometimes I should be able to talk to people. Yeah, because people should talk to me. Brother Paul, I never have forgot the men's meeting and the men's prayer the night that you said, if a brother comes to you and says, hey, God, show me this. Don't retaliate with words. Don't get angry and bitter. Don't go tacking back with your intellectual thoughts. Go home, meditate on it. Think about what's said, because obviously God sent that person there. You're just not listening. You're just not listening. Just like Peter, I just talked to you about a little bit ago, when Jesus told him, the Son of Man is going to be taken from you this night. Jesus, oh, Peter, boy, he's already on defense. He's got that word. He's swiping that sword every place. He's ready to go to battle. This isn't the battle that we're talking about. Brother Nathan sings about it all the time. This battle isn't won with physical violence. It's won through prayer and fasting. It's one because we find our way to our bedsides or we find our way to the altar or we go and we find our way to a saint of God. You know, I remember telling my wife one time, I said, Kim, do me a favor. Find yourself a woman in the church that is absolutely Holy Ghost filled, living what she says she's living, and don't look for no counterfeits because I'm going to tell you something, the church is full of counterfeits. The church is full of people who claim to be something that they're not. I said, you find yourself a woman that you can fashion your life after. And it wasn't too long after that, I hear my wife in there on the phone praying with Miss Mills on a weekly basis. And I even hear my wife speaking in tongues on the phone on a weekly basis. Don't tell me it can't be done, guys. Be careful where you get your counsel from. Pastor John has talked about this a lot lately. Be careful where you get your counsel from because there's a lot of ungodly counsel out there that has nothing but ill will and bad intentions for you. They don't want to see you prosper. They don't want to see you grow. They don't want to see you change. They want to watch you fail, fundle, and belittle yourself until people don't look at you with any more respect anymore. You know, people cannot get your respect unless you give it. Mom used to tell me all the time, you want people to respect you, you've got to make them respect you. And she didn't mean like this. She meant you live a life that they see that you are what you say you are. You are what you say you are. It says, And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath no high, has no high exalted him and given him a name which is above, above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every every knee should bow of things in heaven. Come on, read it with me. In heaven and things in earth and things what? Well, there you go. God's got all power. So stop trying to take the power away from God. Stop trying to correct your life and do what you think is right and listen to what God's saying for you to do. You know, you may not have a specific gift and calling laid out for you in the will of God that you think you do because you're thinking with your little intellectual thought. You're thinking, I deserve more. I'm going to get more. And it don't mean if I got to leave the church to go get more, I'm going to leave the church to go get more, only to get more church hurt. How about you line up with the Word of God and not worry about what everybody else around you is doing? Because in lining yourself up, you become an example to the people around you that they go, Hey, I've watched Brother Jacob go through this. He's endured. He's made it through. I want some of what he's got. You know, the first thing that we learned in leadership development class, if you want to make money, hang out with people that's got money and let them give you their knowledge that you can take it and run with it. It's no different in the church world. Find yourself a person in the church that is chasing after the same dream you're chasing after, and that is making heaven their home, and you fashion your life after them people. You follow their footsteps. And, yes, you even have a right to examine them people. And them people have every right to examine you. I'm so tired of Christians laying over and giving the devil their belly and giving him so much more credit than he deserves. He has no power. I can't say that enough to you tonight. He has no power. He's not steering your spiritual car in any way, shape, or form. He does get inside your natural mind because I read that to you a little bit ago. we got to look at things in quantity and quality and all this stuff. we got to touch it to know that it's real. we got to see it to know that it happened. We got to be there to witness it. I don't, I have no problem whatsoever believing that Brother Shoemaker was raised from the dead and walked out of the morgue with a toe tag on. I didn't see it. I wasn't there to experience it. I didn't have to see it to believe it. You know why I didn't have to see it to believe it? Because I did see the man get up out of a wheelchair and take off around our church after surgery one night. So I knew God done what they said that he'd done for him. That's the kind of men that I grew up under. That's the kind of men that I long to be like. I don't want people looking down on me, Brother Tom, in my casket and go, yeah, he was a fraud. He liked to claim that he was godly, but he had no God in him. I don't want people thinking that about me, and I don't want people thinking that about you, and I don't want people thinking that about any Christian person. As I listen to my buddy Bill talk about how his church is being dissolved because of disobedient people that are leading the church, you think that can't happen here? Wake up. Smell a toast. It sure can. It can most certainly happen here. I've sat underneath the three men that it's happened to. I've been under three different pastors, and I've watched their churches be dissolved all because they started thinking with an intellectual thought process and focusing on things that was more important than God. This building is not our God. I'm just going to be honest with you. This building is not our God. Now, should we respect the house of God and uphold the house of God and work on the house of God? Absolutely. We should cultivate the house of God and make sure that the house of God is ready for the next visitor that comes in. Absolutely. You know how we do that? We're the next person that greets the next visitor at the back door. And shows them a friendly face and lets them know they're welcome here. We gotta stop being relaxed. We gotta stop listening to what the enemy's telling us through our intellectual thought process and let the same mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Becoming what you believe 2.0. This might have been a little bit of correction, it might have been a little bit directional. It might have been a little bit influential. It may be absolutely telling you there's more to doing what, than what we're doing. You have to believe in what you're selling. That's been uttered across this pulpit more times than I can count. You have to be able to sell what you are, believe what you're selling. If you can't believe in it, then you can't get people to buy it. If I tell people I'm a good body man, Sister Lexi, and they bring me a car and I just send out something that's all beat up and wavy and rippled and everything else, they're going to tell the next person, don't go over there. That boy don't know what he's doing at all. And if the men of God get up behind this sacred podium and they don't preach to you and they don't live what they say they live, then don't listen because they're just a rippled old body that don't know what they're doing. I'm calling the ministers. You guys, we have a higher standard to live by. We need to be able to have the same mind. Why do you think this man, it's so important that we listen to this man's vision for this church? We've got to get behind him. You know what? I told him the other day. I said, Pastor John, I may not agree with you on everything, and I don't agree with him on everything sometimes. But it doesn't mean that we don't come together and reason as men because that's biblical. And when he can explain to me why he does what he does and I can explain to him why I do what I do, we always walk away and we go, I understand a little clearer now. I got a little bit deeper meaning. And you know what that does? Pastor John, that puts a unity between you and me. And then the enemy can't infiltrate. When we're standing shoulder to shoulder, the devil can't get through. If I'm standing over here and he's standing over there, look at all the pathway. We're basically opening the door for the devil to say, Come on in, devil, make yourself a seat, sit on down here, you're welcome. When that's not true at all, keep it between the lines. Don't hit the wake up stupid bumps. The only way you're going to keep it between the lines is if you stay dedicated and devoted to the cause, believing in what you're trying to sell, letting the same mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this same mind be in you that was also in Pastor John. You know what? If we're like-minded, he shouldn't have to explain his vision for the church. I should already know where we're headed. Same way with me and Levi. If we're both ministers of God, I shouldn't have to go back and say, Levi, why don't you see it like this? And he shouldn't have to come to me and say, Dad, why don't you see it like this? We should already be knowing that we see it the same way. And you can ask Levi. Me and him, we butt heads sometimes. We do. We have some pretty deep conversations sometimes. You know why? Because I'm concerned about my son's soul. And I'm sure he's concerned about my soul. And if I lay back and see it, Decisions being made that isn't right, not godly, and I don't say anything to him. Guess what? I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna lose. So if your children's that important to you, give them the right message. Make sure they understand why they live like they live. Make sure they understand why they do what they do. The ministers, make sure you understand what the vision is and what the plan is for the church. Make sure that you get behind the pastor and all things that he asks us to do. Make sure that we have a unity in this church. Make sure that we're all like-minded. We got all things in common. We have to be in common. We have to be able to live according to the will of God. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's not rocket science. It's not difficult. It's not way above your pay grade, as people like to say. I'm not doing that. That's that's below or above my pay grade. It's not neither of those. It's your salvation we're talking about here. It's your walk with God. It's your family that sees the example. You know what? Your families know you better than anybody because at home we feel like we can be who we want to be. We can do what we want to do because we're in the comfort of our own home. You know, I had something happen to me tonight that embarrassed me to death. Since my daughter-in-law moved in with me, I have never went shirtless in my house. Not one time. And tonight I come home, I told off my shirt because I was running late trying to get upstairs to get shaved. And I hear Brandy say, Allie's in the bathroom in the shower, and I'm already halfway up the steps, and I'm shirtless. And Allie comes walking out of the bedroom, and I'm like, ah. If that don't convict your heart, nothing will. Because modesty is a key ingredient to being a humble servant to God. I don't go around my home shirtless because that young lady lives in my house and I respect her. That young lady lives in my house and I respect her. When people come to my house, I want them to walk in and I want them to be able to sit down. You know, there's, I'm, I'm going to say this as the musicians come. I remember being a young man. And I remember many, many times, Pastor John, you can vouch for this. I remember many times people come to our house, and they'd sit there and they'd say, man, it just feels like home here. Jason can vouch for it. Brad can vouch for it. They've been there. You know, Brother Timmy's been to our house several times when we were younger. Come in and say, this just feels like home. You know why it felt like home? Because Brother Claude and Sister Peg put an effort into their home to make it feel like it was someplace special. They didn't isolate people. They didn't separate themselves from the people. They brought them in, and they gave them an example. Now, yeah, okay, we believe in separation, okay? We believe in separation of the dirty deeds of the world, not separation of people, okay? We believe in separation of the things that are wrong in this world. That's what we believe in, and that's what we practice. And if I've said nothing else to you tonight— that didn't sink in with you, let this sink in. Let this same mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I didn't say that. Paul said that. That's scriptural, brother Chris. That's scriptural. People are changing because of your obedience to God, and yes, people are changing because of your disobedience to God as well. you got to make sure that your obedience is way, 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 outweighing your disobedience. Sometimes we do, we are disobedient. Whether we want to face it or not, sometimes we do make decisions that are disobedient to the will of God. Just like in 2022, I made a decision. I let the devil come in. I let the devil talk to me. I let the devil stir in my head. I let the devil get in there and make a home in my home, and I never should have did that. And I'm going to tell you, I don't ever plan on going through a year as rough as 2022 ever again. And you know why? Because I'm going to practice. Brother Jacob brought this to my attention one time, and he probably doesn't even remember this. He said, Brother Carl, you know what you taught me? You taught me to be slow to speak and swift to hear. I went, wow. I don't even really practice that much myself. But it put me on Front Street because I knew then he was watching me. And I knew then he was looking at me to see how I handled situations. See, you think people aren't watching you? I'm going to tell you right now, people are watching you. People are watching you. If you want your grandbabies and your children up here with their hands in the air praising God, then you better be the first one at the altar. If you want people to respect you, show them respect. Show them love. Show them kindness. Show them that you have a concern for their salvation. And I say go to them and beat them up and try to correct them. And please don't do <laughs> please don't do what my grandfather did. It worked on me, but it may not work on everybody else. Don't go to people and tell them, you're going to hell if you don't change your ways. Because all you're doing is you're sowing their fate. Now see, I had a deeper respect for my grandfather. So when my grandfather's laying on his deathbed crying. It says Carly please change your life because I don't want to be in heaven without you you see the difference in the approach there was a day he came to me and told me straighten yourself up boy you're going to hell the next time he came to me he said Carly I don't know why he called me that I really have no clue but he said please change I don't want to be in heaven without you and you know what brother Timmy I made that man an oath that day and last year I let that oath down That day, I told my grandfather, I will see you in heaven. And last year, I let the enemy have reign and rank in my life, and he caused me so much grief, so much turmoil, so much confusion, so much everything. And I had everything to be thankful for. I had a church that loved me. I had a wife and children and granddaughter that absolutely loved me. I started a brand new job. It's one of the best jobs I've ever had in my entire life. I have people that sit around and tell dirty jokes. You know, the other day they had a Christmas party. My boss comes up to me and he says, leans over to the counter, he says, so are you coming? I said, no, sir. He goes, I bet I know why. I said, why do you think, Christian? He said, because there's going to be drinking going on here. I said, you're absolutely right, sir. And as a man of God, I'm not going to be around that. And if it means I have to sacrifice that, then I will sacrifice that. As a man of God, I've come to the realization this year, I'm not going to be around the filthy conversations. And when I say filthy conversations, I mean the backstabbing, the two-facedness, the bitterness. I'm not going to be around any of that stuff any longer. I'm not going to be around any of that. I made my mind up, I'm going to be behind this man, and we're going to make this the best church we can possibly make it together. We're gonna make it the best church we can possibly make it together. Just like at home, I'm gonna go back to making my home the best home that I can possibly make it. The other day my wife comes downstairs and I got music just blaring out loud. Gratitude. Brandon Lakes, one of my favorite songs. I had that dude cranked up so loud, everybody else now is asleep. I'm like, it's time to wake up, church day. I turned that thing up as loud as I could get it. Kim comes downstairs. I hear the TV go, boop, 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 boop. Why you got that TV so loud? I said, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. It's the day that the Lord has made. I'm ready to go to church. I'm ready to get to church and see what God's got in store. I'm ready to see the deliverance. You know, in that song, it talks, uh, It talks, in another song that Brandon Lake sings, it talks about he's watched metal plates dissolve. He's watched cancer healed. I remember seeing great miracles like that. I remember a mom that was laying beside a commode about to die of a heart attack and God raised her up. I remember that. Don't tell me my God can't do it. Don't tell me you can't do it. Don't let the enemy get inside your head and say, oh, you can't preach, you can't teach, you can't sing a song, you can't go out and witness to people. It's not in you. It's not your gift and calling. Some of the most ill-willed advice I took last year was, that's not your gift and calling any longer. You ought to move on to something else. Never again. Never again. God's gift is without repentance. I laid down. I can't say what you did. I laid down. I got weak. I allowed the enemy to get inside me. I allowed the enemy, he didn't have the power. I gave him the power. I allowed that dirty, old, filthy, rotten conversation and egotistical thinking and better than that mentality, better than them mentality, I'm holier than thee. I let all that stuff come into my heart last year, and it was the worst thing I've ever done. And I stand before you today, a broken man. That's why I preach this message to you tonight, because I don't want to see you a broken individual. I want to see you growing, I want to see you prospering. There's no tears filling these eyes tonight because I'm angry. I'm angry at myself. I'm not angry at the enemy. He didn't do nothing I didn't lie to him, do, Brother Chris. I'm angry at myself. I let that stuff happen to me. Just like turning on the TV, watching things you shouldn't watch. That's not a decision the devil makes. That's a decision you make. Going in and sitting down, having conversations about things you shouldn't be talking about. That's not the devil getting power. That's you giving him the power. You know, when you hold me to a higher standard, and I hope you do, you can hold me to higher standards. And when you see Brother Carl doing something you may not agree with, come and at least give me an opportunity to explain it. Don't go behind my back talking about me. That's confusion. That's not of God. That's not of God. When you see me doing something wrong, come knock at my door. Sit down, we'll drink a cup of coffee, and we'll discuss it. And I promise you this: the old man died out. This quick-witted tongue right here, I used to take great pride in being fast talking. You come at me, I'm coming at you. You give me a reason to jump, I'm gonna jump. You give me a reason to yell at you, I'm gonna yell at you. You give me a reason to put you in your place, I'm gonna put you in your place. That's not of God. Matter of fact, that's as far off of the polar system as God ever wanted you to be. Scripture says, be slow to speak, swift to hear, slow to anger, slow to wrath. Don't let God don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down with you being bitter at somebody. Communication is key. I don't care what anybody tells you. Communication is key. It keeps confusion down. It keeps conflicts at a bay. It keeps the enemy in check. It keeps you a sane child of God. It keeps you searching the righteous things of life and not the materialistic things of life. It's very important. If you want this church to survive, it don't just lay solely on the lap of this man. It doesn't rest on his shoulders. I respect my pastor, and I love my pastor, and I'll be there to back my pastor, but he can't carry the weight. Not all of it. It's up to each and every one of us to carry our own. Now, he's there to help us and talk to us when we have those situations in our life where we don't know what we can do. And if you can't find yourself the pastor's office, Find yourself somebody's front porch. But please, by all means, make sure that it's a man or woman after God's own heart, not just somebody who wants to sit and gossip with you. Stay away from them. Stay away from the gossips. Stay away from the bickering. Stay away from the backbiting. Stay away from all that stuff. Letting the same mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Remember that. Take that. Apply that to your life. Give it a chance. I promise you. God will make it work in your life. He will make it work in your life. You know, I'm going to say this as I come to a close. There is a, a young man in here that I have a great deal of respect for. And just in the last little while, I've, I've earned a, learned to have a lot more, a great deal of respect for him. That's my brother-in-law, Mikey. Mikey used to be one of the most fat, fastest-witted people that would just absolutely splurt out his emotions so quick it would go, holy crud, where did that come from? I noticed lately he's not like that any longer. He thinks I don't notice. I notice. I'm not saying he's perfect. By God's sakes, nobody is. But I've watched him grow in the last little while. When he was up here Sunday, man, I was so proud of him. I was sitting back there going, that's my brother-in-law up there. That's not only my brother-in-law, that's a man of God. That's a man that has changed his life. And you can trust me, some things in your life, they're not easy to change. Matter of fact, some things in your life, you're not going to change without the help of God. I hope and pray that I said something to you tonight. These altars are open. If you feel like that you need a closer walk with God or you need to be forgiven for something you've done... Or something you said, or a way that you've reacted in a situation, that's what the altars are for. It's not just for the sinners to find righteousness. It's for us to stay connected with God. I used to love the old church when we was over on 31. I don't know how many times mom mom will testify this. I don't know how many times we'd walk down through there and we would look at the tear stains where people had sat at the altar and they cried, and I know not all those tears, not all those tears were tears of repentance. A lot of those tears were tears just because people wanted a closer walk with God. I'm here to tell you tonight, the only way to get that closer walk with God, let the same mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let that spiritual mind begin to take over your intellectual thinking. It's going to do nothing but get you in trouble. It's going to do nothing but build up grief in your life. I love each and every one of you tonight, and I hope I didn't offend anybody, but if I did, it was God's will. Because sometimes you've got to be offended to change. Sometimes the preacher's just got to lay it out. Sometimes you got to be able to say, hey, this is what it is. It's black and white. Sometimes you just got to be able to accept the correction. Correction without love is just anger. Correction with love is life-altering. Changing your pattern and your strategies in life will make you a better person. Thank you. God bless you.